G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Discernment is one of the key qualities we desperately need in our ever-deceptive world. When you have discernment, you stay on top, but the lack of it can destroy you. We're going to learn more how to discern a real minister from who those who are false as we continue in 2 Corinthians. Our series is entitled, Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary. And we are looking at chapter 6 of this great book. Chapter 6, which I entitled, Theology of Ministry, Part 4, A Godly Lifestyle. We've seen some of the other chapters before, and it's all talking about theology of ministry, because it is tells us in chapter 3, of this epistle, that we are able ministers of the New Testament, all of us. And we need to remember that unless the ministry is shared by the body of Christ at large, the Great Commission cannot be fulfilled. But if we live by Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and let apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers equip the saints for the work of the ministry, then the Great Commission can be fulfilled in our lifetime. We're going to look at chapter 6, verses 1 to 6 of 2 Corinthians. And here we're going to see proofs of the ministry or signs of the legitimate minister as opposed to those that are in it for the money or in it for any other reason than the right one. But what we'll see, first of all, that nobody who serves God, whether it's in the formal or informal sense, does so apart from the grace of God. We all come to God by grace. We all live the Christian life by grace. We serve by grace. And the amazing grace is with us from beginning to end. But an interesting point is made about this grace. Receive the grace of God and don't receive it in vain. In verse 2 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, a famous passage quoting from Isaiah 49, 8, it says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What a wonderful passage coming to light from the Old Testament prophet to the New Testament altogether. The trumpet sounds, so that means the time is now for the things of God, and today is the day Not tomorrow, not next year, not when it's convenient, but today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to say yes to Christ, to his glorious gospel, to the call of God, because 
after all, there are times and seasons. It's like the analogy, the metaphor I always use of the train. We are on the platform. When our train comes, we better get on. Believe it or not, there's people who don't get on their train when it arrives for whatever reason. I did that once in Europe, and I promised I'd never do it again. It is now the time and the day for the gospel of Christ. There is no better time than now. And it goes on to tell us, we are to give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. When you're living for God, the most offensive thing you can do is default to the flesh, to be carnal, to be selfish, to be worldly. These things are offensive, not just to people in the church, but even people outside, because people outside expect you that name the name of Jesus to live by a higher standard. Carnality stinks, but living a life in the spirit is the aroma of Christ and life from the dead. From here, Paul gives all kinds of proofs of his ministry, where he talks about the price he paid to follow the Lord in patience, tribulation, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, fastings, but also in purity, knowledge, long-suffering, kindness, Holy Spirit, sincerity, and love. This is the minister we can respect. We're going to read now the entire passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. We're reading 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed is every person who hears and does what it says. Because when you obey the word that you've heard, you are considered wise, and you're building your life on the rock. Friends, with so much uncertainty in our world, this is, for sure, the smartest thing we can do, hearing and obeying God's word. So beginning with verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 6. Remember, this chapter is about a godly lifestyle. And this particular lesson from this chapter is called Proofs of the Ministry. How can you tell the real deal, the, the genuine servant of Christ, from the false ones? And by the way, that also applies to the genuine Christian versus the false brethren. Discernment is very much a lifeline for us all. And God's Word gives us all the insight we need for such discernment. But remember, there's another element here too. To be discerning is not just to know the Word, but also to be led by the Holy Spirit, who both inspired the Word of God to begin with and quickens the Word in our ears to apply it to our circumstances here and now. So we need the Word and we need the Spirit. In fact, that is the tagline of this ministry empowering through word and spirit, the grace of God. 
These ambassadors for Christ, namely us, the apostolic team and the church at large. Well, the apostolic team is making an impassioned plea, do not receive the grace of God in vain. Think of it like this. You're standing on a bridge and someone comes to you and hands you unexpectedly, but wonderfully, a treasure chest. Maybe one that you could handle in your hands, not one that's overpowering and needs the burly guys to move it. So you're handed this hand-sized treasure chest full of costly and beautiful and wonderful stones. And then at some point, you accidentally drop the treasure chest and it goes into the water below. That would be, to say the least, very tragic. Your enrichment would be short-lived and it would be in vain. God's grace is more important than any treasure chest you could ever receive because the grace of God is one of the most wonderful things in this world. However, as we learn in Galatians, the grace of God can be lost, the grace of God can be misused, the grace of God can be underused, or the grace of God could not be used at all. We do some silly things in our blindness, our selfishness, our carnality, our immaturity. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. If God is calling you, wooing you, you feel him tugging on your heartstrings, don't say no. What does it tell us in the Psalms? Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. It's madness to refuse God. So we don't receive the grace of God in vain. When God calls, we're there, boots and all. Leads us to verse two, which I've already quoted, but I'll quote it again. In an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have succored you or helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So again, this quote is coming from Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 8. Isaiah 49, 8. Listen to the voice of grace, the grace that we're not to receive in vain. In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I've helped you. So listen to this. The trumpet is sounding. Now is the accepted time, and God is listening to your cry. Today is the day of salvation. He will help you. Remember that salvation can only come from God. Now, we can be saved by people in the short term. For example, you are splashing around in the ocean at the beach, swimming, but you're not doing well. So guess what? The lifeguard comes and saves you. That is salvation, but it's only of a limited duration. The salvation we need is from sin and from death and from condemnation. Only God can give that. Interesting that the quote I gave you came from Isaiah. Isaiah's name in Hebrew is Yeshayahu. Salvation is from Yahweh or from the Lord. Yesha, which is of course where we get Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name of Jesus. Yesha, Yahu. Salvation is from the Lord. God had to be the Savior, and that's why Jesus is Son of God. As I've quoted Bob Gass in the past on this point, that Jesus had to be God to save us, but he had to be a man to die for us. Day is the day of salvation. So what's the delay for? Are you afraid of what you miss out if you come to God? 
Are you afraid you'll never have fun again? Do you feel you're not worthy because you've done some terrible things? Or are you just waiting for a more convenient time after you've sown your wild oats and enjoyed the flesh? And then you'll say, oh, but before it's too late, I'll get right with God. This is the devil's playground. The delays, the excuses. Remember the parable of the man with the great feast? He sent out the invitations and people made excuses ridiculous excuses, but that's part of our human nature. Friend, don't let your train leave the platform. God is calling you to know him, to receive his gospel, to serve him. Don't fob God off. It is now is the accepted time, and today is the day of salvation. Do it now. And therefore, remember this, Commit yourself to God now. You will have no regrets whatsoever. We go to verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. I learned this maxim years ago when I was still single. Do not offend and do not be offended. I'm telling you, there's such wisdom. Do not deliberately be offensive especially in a scandalous way, and do not be offended. We give to forgive when people do offensive things, learn to let go and get on with life. Living carnally while proclaiming to be a Christian is probably the most offensive of offenses, even more than an obnoxious worldly person being offensive, because after all, that's their turf. Whereas for us, we're meant to be in the broad green pastures and sleeping beside the still waters. As the 23rd Psalm says, we are Christ's ambassadors. We have to be above reproach. And not only that, we have to be seen to be above reproach. Unfortunately, not having the appearance of evil is almost as important as just not being evil. Image, in this case, does matter. We have to be above reproach, We have to be seen to be above reproach. No reasonable person expects you to be perfect, but they do want to see sincerity, honesty, and salt and light, integrity in operation. Oh, they also expect you to be morally pure. And that's really not asking very much. That's how you can be a person who is not offensive, living in salt and light integrity. What's salt and light integrity? It's normal honesty, sincerity, and moral purity, but you do so while you're following Jesus, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And to give a positive impression of the Christian faith, it will keep the ministry from being blamed when you walk in integrity. Then finally, we have the proofs of the ministry. There are proofs as far as suffering, and there's proofs that are positive. Let's take a look at them, verses 4 to 6 of 2 Corinthians 6. So in order to be a minister that everyone respects, you live a high-class royal lifestyle. Now, I don't mean hyper-prosperity. What I mean is you just live as a person of character, a person of duty, a person that does everything right. That's what I mean. God-honoring ministers show maturity and patience. And this is especially noticeable during times of trouble. And of course, in times of trouble, that's where the grace of God shines brightest. And Paul talks about in times of necessity. We have those times when we need something, but we don't yet have it. 
but we soldier on. In times of distresses, now some of the things I'm about to read to you seem to be more so in Paul's ministry than in the average person. In beatings, Paul was beaten several times. We'll learn more about that down the track in 2 Corinthians. Imprisonment, and this is a reality in the non-Western world for people who believe in Jesus. I still remember the pastor, in fact, the superintendent of the national church in a country in Asia, and he and his wife were in and out of prison for no other reason than the fact that they were serving Jesus. Tumults, Paul's talking about, are riots, and tumult means loud, confusing noises. Paul experienced tumults in Ephesus and also on his last visit to the Temple Mount. In fact, he was the cause of the tumult being there when he was. It says we are manifest or prove our ministry through much labor. Yes, you have to work hard in the ministry, but it's worthwhile, and the legacy lasts forever. Sleeplessness, and don't expect to get much sleep during times of revival or intense ministry. Fastings, this can be voluntary and involuntary, and Paul, no doubt, experienced both. But positive proofs of the ministry, where we are commended as God's ministers by purity, So forget about being worldly, because being worldly will be a scandal. There's knowledge of God, the Bible, the Christian life, and wisdom in handling the world. Long-suffering, we should demonstrate, which is a divine trait. Legendary patience, especially in the face of provocation. By kindness, and remember, God is the kindest being of all. By the Holy Spirit, anointed and filled with the Spirit. And by the demonstration of sincere love, all this reflects well on God and the ministry. So our lesson is entitled Proofs of the Ministry and the Lesson for Life, exhibiting patience, character, and love will reflect well on God and the ministry he gives to you. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, Education, And thank you for liking our page. And also, go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles on Scripture, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Father, thank you that now is the accepted time, and today is the day of salvation. Help my listeners make sure this moment they're right with you. And if they don't know that they are born again or have assurance of salvation, let them simply say this, Lord Jesus, I turn from my old life of sin. I turn to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising again that I would be declared justified. By your grace, I will follow you all the days of my life and dwell in your house forever. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.